Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. It is raining again here in Starkville, Mississippi. One of the wettest beginnings to a year that I can ever remember. It seems like that it is always wet. It seems that the ground is always super saturated. And it kind of fits our mood today after a very difficult day yesterday and even really dating back to Saturday. It wasn't a great weekend for Mississippi State. Totally. We had a good baseball weekend. Huge, huge baseball series win over an Oregon State team that was ranked 25th. They're missing some pieces from a year ago, but I think everybody realized this is a big win for State. They will be in the NCAA baseball tournament. You've got a couple of wins under your belt. Now you've got a series win, a sweep of, over Wright State, who will likely win the Horizon League. And now you have a series win over Oregon State, who is also expected to be an NCAA tournament team. So these are two teams that will likely help boost the Mississippi State RPI as the season kind of moves forward. Five and one mark. I think most people, when the schedule came out, said, you know what, if we can find a way to beat Oregon State, we'll be really, really happy. Well, here we are. But it doesn't feel like we're happy. You know what I'm saying? It's like it always, and, and Lamontis touched on it yesterday. Man, when you win those first two, 
you really, really, really want to sweep. It's, it's one of those things like if you win the Friday game, lose Saturday, win on Sunday, you've got that Sunday jubilation. But that we've been there before. But the bottom line is we did take care of business. We learned some things, both good and bad, about our team over the weekend. I like this team. We're going to get into a lot more of that later in the show. A lot to talk about. Big show today. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to run the gamut today. We're going to talk about a lot of things today. There's a lot going on. It is we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of basketball season. Mississippi State not really playing their best basketball on either side, men or women. We'll get into all that. First thing I want to do is remind you and invite you to go visit the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company. Wonderful people, wonderful food, wonderful atmosphere, wonderful experience. You can bring the family. And you know what? If you, if you want to get out and have a date night, you can do that too. You can have an adult beverage right there. You can just make it a family feast. And all of those feasts begin with the spring rolls. You guys know I'm a big fan of that. But I want to share with you too. We have uh, spoken recent days about some cool things that are going on at Bulldog Burger Company. There are some new items for those of you that have been around Bulldog Burger a lot. You know that there's always looking to add to the menu. Some new ones to, to think of, okay? The Bulldog Burger Company nachos, a new winner, a new favorite. You're going to love that. The Diamond Dog, it's a new, new hamburger there. The Diamond Dog, smoked pork sausage, caramelized onions, truffle onions, peppers, mayo, mayo, pardon me, <laughs> spicy mustard. Uh, you're going to, you're going to enjoy that one. That's going to be one before you kiss your girl. You might want to go ahead and, uh, and grab some Altoids. New appetizer, jalapeno popper, cream cheese, pepper jelly, jalapenos, bacon, and bib lettuce. I'm all about that. The Travis, twin burger patties, double the cheddar cheese, grilled in onions with mayo. Sounds simple, but cures many ailments. That's right. And the new dessert, brownie jubilation. Jubilation's brownie, vanilla ice cream, whipped cream, and chocolate sauce. I think I might go tonight. You should, too. Bulldog Burger Company, with two locations now to serve you, on University in Starkville and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, let's jump into some baseball here. That's something we can all feel good about. Mississippi State does take care of business. We didn't get the benefit of, this, of the midweek Samford game, so there are still some young guys that have not made their Bulldog debuts that will pitch this week, weather permitting. As you guys are well aware, we have two home games this week. will be 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock first pitch, Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll take Texas Southern on Tuesday and Alcorn State on Wednesday before traveling to Long Beach State for a uh, big weekend series. Long Beach State won the series this weekend over Wake Forest, and so Again, you know, Long Beach has been a little bit down the last couple of years, but they look to be off to a much better start this year. So let's talk a little baseball here. <clears throat> no update on JT again. We asked Chris Amonis. And, and let me go, as I said on Bo Bound Show earlier today, I think the best case scenario now for Mississippi State fans is to kind of plan on JT not being here. And then if something works out, he's able to return to the team later this year, then you're going to be, you know, it's a bonus. But I think the team is what it is right now. No, you know, public declarations or anything like that. I mean, I understand JT Ginn's going to go see some specialists and just kind of review the options before making any decisions. And we need to respect that. But the team is who it is. JT wants to play. JT is a very competitive player. He wants to baseball. You want kids like that on your team. And I, I say kid but because I'm, you know, 
over double his age. But my point being is that this is a guy that came to Mississippi State to help win a national championship. He didn't come here just, you know, to to go to school and everything else. You know, he came here to help Mississippi State win a national championship. But he didn't appear this weekend. Mississippi State did. And you win the three. And, uh, you know, the Friday game, rather interesting. And give Christian Chamberlain a lot of credit. He really gave State a lot of trouble. He was mixing and matching. I believe he had a four-pitch mix there. But uh, he was really pitching backwards. And it's one of those things we have said many times. When you can throw your breaking ball for a strike, it changes the game. Well, he was able to throw breaking balls to both sides of the plate on any count he wanted to. He could throw his changeup for a strike, and then, of course, his fastball for a strike. And when you can throw that changeup from the same arm slot without slowing your arm down, it makes your fastball that much more potent. And that's exactly what he did, and he was phenomenal. But you know what? He didn't factor in the decision because Mississippi State was able to grind out some at-bats, get him out of the game, get into that bullpen, and win the ball game. It's as simple as that. It's a long game, and it's one of those things I have shared many times because I love you all, and I want you guys to feel good about your social media presence. There are some people that need to enact a personal protocol of not tweeting or posting on Facebook during games. Because then people come back later and troll you unmercifully because of the fact of your, your hot take. Mississippi State down 2 nothing in this ball game, 2 nothing, And when that second run scored, the way that Oregon State had been pitching, it felt like a five-run deal. You know, It really felt like, you know what, we're in really, really bad shape here. Well, then the eighth inning comes along. The eighth inning comes along, and all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, we're down 2 nothing. If we don't make something happen here, this thing is going to be over. Wild ride, Rowdy Jordan gets the infield hit. The guest pulled off the bag and give Riley Self some credit. Riley Self coaching first, and he he wants to be a coach once he's done playing. Riley Self sees it immediately, yells out, umpire right there in great position, also sees it, calls him off the bag. They review it. Rowdy is awarded the infield hit, and it just kind of felt like, okay, here we go. Here we go. This is our chance. We're down two runs, but we've got the leadoff man on. We can make some things happen. Jordy rips one down the line. Jordan Westbrook, I mean, absolutely crushes that baseball, pulls it just inside the line, and now all of a sudden it's a double. you got runners at second and third. And we've knocked Jerpy out of the ballgame. Jerpy is Oregon State's best long reliever. He is a very, very good pitcher. You saw that on Sunday. You get Jerpy out. They bring in Frisch, who is uh, a freshman. Bases loaded. Of course, I'm just getting ahead here. Josh Hatcher, a great at bat for Josh right there. Because it's, yeah, runners in second and third. And how many people want to be the hero there? Just about everybody. It's a competitor. But Josh, rather than swinging the ball out of the zone, is walked to load the bases. Now, all of a sudden, you got Foscue. And so you bring Foscue up to the plate with bases loaded and nobody out with a freshman pitcher in there. In the very first pitch, he hammers through the left side for two RBIs. It's a tie ball game. 
Now, a lot of people in that situation with the bases loaded and the reliever coming in, you're going to say, okay, we're going to take until we get a strike. But the book on Frisch was mainly a fastball guy, wants to get ahead, throws a ton of first pitch fastball. So we're sitting heavy there and rip that ball into the into left field. The next thing you know, the game is tied. And then Pimentel comes up, and the very first pitch that he sees, again, a first pitch fastball, is absolutely blasted to right field, and it is a 5-2 to two ball game. How quickly the game turned in the bottom half of that eighth inning. There, at that point, there was no doubt we were going to win the ball game. Because, again, it is a long game. And if the guy in the bullpen was better than the guy on the mound, he would already be there. So the deeper you get into the pen, the less likely you're going to see a guy that's got a winning arm. You get fresh in there, you knock him out of the ball game. And listen, he'll bounce back and be better. I mean, that, you don't get recruited to the power five if you can't pitch. A big, tall kid. And they'll get it figured out. But it wasn't done there. It wasn't done. We continued to add Cameron James. Gets an infield single, and again, I think he thought he was out. He beat it out again. Riley Self all over it, all over it. They decide to review it. Cam is ruled safe. They bring in Mulholland. We faced Mulholland in Omaha a couple years ago. I believe he is the only pitcher on the weekend that we faced that was there two years ago. Mulholland pitched really well against Mississippi State in Oklahoma in, in Omaha. But we get to him. Uh, he brought grounds out on the sag bunt. You get Cam to second. Landon Jordan grounds out. We get James to third, and then he scores on a pass ball. You manufacture a run there without with only the benefit of one hit. That seemed like a really big uh, run. Turned out to be unnecessary. But, again, it's one of those things, too, when things are going well for you offensively. When things are going well offensively, you get those infield hits. You put pressure on the defense. You get guys in first baseman stretch off the bag. You put pressure on the defense. You're able to score on pass balls. You know, and so it's like everything we needed to do, we took care of in the eighth inning. You take care of business. 6-2 win on a game, on a, on a day where we didn't do much against the starter. There are going to be a lot of games like that on Friday night. Just the reality of college baseball. Everybody has an ace. And sometimes that ace is really, really good. By SEC standards. Now, everybody's got a guy they'll trot out there that might be their best pitcher, but they may not be a guy that can play in a power five. Christian Chamberlain is a stud. He's not starting on Friday night for Oregon State, the a three time national championship program, because he is a scrub. That guy is an unbelievable pitcher and worthy of our respect. And the fact that we were able to grind him out of the ball game and get a win against that bullpen, that is big for Mississippi State. That's baseball. It's not like football. I mean, it's like we, we don't go out there and score five runs in the first inning and everybody panics, you know. And, and that's one of the things, too. We, we are a, a pretty astute fan base. And I don't know if you guys know it, but we scored in the first inning, I think, but four out of six times now. We'll usually get to you. We, you know, we couldn't get, couldn't get a lot going yesterday. But the the bottom line is, we're a good baseball program. You come out there on Saturday, and we talked about getting the big lead early. That's exactly what we did. You know, Finnings comes in. We did. He didn't do a whole lot. Didn't last very long either. We get one in the first, three in the second. 
they pull back and get two in the fourth, and we did what great teams do. We answered right back. That's what great teams do. Josh Hatcher comes out there, hits a home run. It was kind of one of those uh, Dave Kingman-type home runs. You know, just kind of drifted and drifted and drifted. Bosky comes back with a single. Mantell strikes out swinging, and, and he certainly gets his, uh, his money's worth. Cam James strikes out swinging, and then Landon Jordan singles up the middle to extend the inning. There you go. Again, what great teams do is you get two out base hits, and that's what happened. And Logan Tanner walks. You turn the order over. Allen's hit by the pitch. Foskey scores. Tanner Allen back in the lineup now for full time. Now he's back now. He got the one at bat on on Saturday and then played on Sunday. He will he will be back now. He's good to go. He's not hundred percent just yet. He he classified himself as ninety percent, but he'll be good to go. But again, you take that lead right back out to four runs. You get in the six, you tack on another one. And then you give up really kind of an, an inconsequential home run in the ninth. Chase Patrick has pitched well for Mississippi State in a couple outings now. But, you know, listen, it was a seven or two ball game. And he the, he did in that situation what you expect a reliever to do with a five-run lead in the ninth inning. is you go pound and strike zone. They're going to get themselves out more times than not. They put a couple of hits together. They knock one out of the ballpark, but you win the game. It's as simple as that. I don't want to go in there. I don't want to have a guy going in there being cute in the ninth inning with up five runs. You go in there and pound the strike zone, kid, and get on out of there. And that's the thing, too, is the, usually in the ninth inning, when you get the first guy, things tend to kind of get tend to get downhill for you. It didn't happen for us. We get the first out. Uh, Magmahan singles and McGarry hit the home run. And that, Alex McGarry can play. If, if he doesn't make a, a postseason Pac-12 list, be surprised. That guy can really swing it. But we come right back after giving up the home run rather than getting shaken. I mean, we don't even need to go out there and, you know, settling down. You go right back and you get Ryan over swinging and you get Troy Clowns to fly out. The game is over. And so now you've won the series. And now, and again, like every, I'm like you guys. I get greedy. I'm thinking, oh, we got two. Let's go get three. And because it means so much, especially in the SEC. This is one of the things John Cohen used to always say when he was our head baseball coach here at Mississippi State. Is it's not about just winning the series. Every single SEC game counts the same in the standings. A win over Vanderbilt counts just as much as a win over Ole Miss or a win over Alabama or a win over Florida. Every one of them counts. It's not just winning. Yes, you want to win the series, but you want to sweep every chance you get. Now, this is a little different because it's a non-conference team. But anytime that you get that Friday-Saturday thing, man, you want Sunday. You want Sunday, and blood's in the water. And, and what happens over the course of a weekend, especially in, in these days of video and all that kind of stuff, everybody gets you know film on you. And so on every, the Sunday pitcher learns from the mistakes of the Friday-Saturday guys. And so by the time you get into Sunday, everybody has a pretty good idea of where the holes in your swings are, who likes to hit what. And so it makes winning on Sunday that much more difficult just because of the fact that they go in there with a scouting report on Friday and then they tweak the scouting report and they tweak all of the, you know, because of all the spray charts and all that, they fig once they get you on the field, they can figure you out. And they figured State out yesterday. And I thought Oregon State did a great job pitching against Mississippi State. And I thought Eric Sarantola had a pretty good outing. I, I know Chris said that he was outstanding. Uh, Got to do better with those walks. He kind of pitched himself into trouble and out of trouble 
multiple times. But uh, but you know, but he leaves the game in pretty good shape. You know, and that's the thing when I go back and look at all this. I mean, you know, if you had told me that we're going to get five innings from Sarantola and he is going to give up one earned run, I'm going to say, you know what, I'll take that every single time. If he's going to give me five and one earned run, I'm going to win that ball game more times than not. But I didn't want to happen to Mississippi State. We didn't hit the baseball nearly as well as we hoped to. But Sarantola does leave. We give up. You know, that's the thing, too, when I go back and look at this. When you've got a guy out there that struggles with command a little bit, you got to make the plays behind him defensively. you got to make them every time, but especially with a guy like Sarantola. And what do we do? We have an error on Josh Hatcher, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, throwing shade at these guys because this is the reality of baseball. We have a ball hit to first base. He gets a glove on it and it pops out, and we can't complete the play at first. So the inning continues. We give up a run. We get into the fourth inning, and we get a fly ball. Kind of listen. And to be fair, you got Brandon Pimentel out there playing left field, and, and he found out he was playing uh, left field about a week to ten days before the season started. So he didn't know, you know, the nuances of the field. He hadn't played it a whole lot over there, but he's right there on the line. And I, and I think, you know, the, the, maybe the the possibility of banging on that wall changed him a little bit. But we give up. We misplay a ball there. It's rolled a double. It is because we because we misplayed it so poorly we couldn't get a glove on it. And now you've got a leadoff double that comes around and scores. And so now it's a two nothing ball game. And so two nothing. Sarantola six Ks, five walks. And uh, I believe the first run that scored was also a guy that walked. And, you know, it's one of those things that always seems to happen when you have a leadoff walk. I think the chances of them scoring are like 7,000%. That's how it always feels. When you give up a leadoff walk, it, it's like inevitably they always come around and score. But I thought all in all, Sarantola had a competitive ball game. I think he took a step forward this week over last week. And, again, he at times he is his own worst enemy. And for some reason that fastball away – he was having trouble spotting that up. Now, his changeup to lefties away, I thought, was really good. And he can throw that breaking ball for a strike. So I expect him to continue to evolve and be a really good pitcher for Mississippi State over the course of the season. The story of the day yesterday uh, wasn't the bullpen. We had we had a bad inning there in the eighth. But we didn't hit the baseball. You get three hits, and uh, two of them come in one inning. You get the Justin Foskey hits a home run. Then you come back, Tanner Allen gets a hit. And then uh, Foscue dumps that double in the left and and uh, right, and we score. And that's your offense for the day. You're not going to beat anybody like that. Just not. That that's not enough production, especially on a Sunday, to win the ball game. The eighth inning, of course, the decisive inning. Uh, Jared Chimper had his control in the seventh wasn't very good either. And again, this is no attempt to, to blame him. This is just baseball. But. Raleigh Self comes in in the sixth, uh, gets you a shutout inning, and then gets it to the next guy. Shemper was really good last weekend. Just didn't seem to have the magic this weekend. Uh, and you get that first out, the ground out to first, and you think, okay, here we go. And then we give up an infield hit. We get a K, and we've got a chance to get out of this thing here. But it seemed like, again, we're kind of falling behind hitters a little bit. Uh, Clouch even works that full count and then swung at a ball up the zone. And it was, it was a, it was ball four. Then we walk Ducart and then McMahon flies out on a two, two count. And so again, we were a little bit all over the place. So when he came back out for tonight, I was a little surprised, but again, you know, despite the fact that he had some control issues, we get out of the inning 
and then we get into the eighth, and then we get Hamilton out swinging on a 2-2 count, and then Armstrong laces one up the middle, then Mascarena singles, and, and that Mascarenas can, Richie Mascarenas can really play for Oregon State. He is a plus defender and a really difficult out. Really thought that he battled in there, and uh, so it wasn't the least bit surprised to see him in the middle of this thing. Well, then we walk McDowell, bases are loaded, and uh, we give up an infield hit. And it was one of those things, too. We knew they weren't going to be able to get the uh, the double play ball there, but it was just one of those balls that's kind of fisted out there. And, again, out to Alex McGarry, again, in the middle of things, making things happen for Oregon State. But now we're down. We're in a deficit right there. And you begin to think, can we just get out of this thing without the, the wheels coming off? Well, the wheels don't come off. They do come off. Jackson Forrester comes in. We get a sack fly. Another run scores. And then Troy Clouch doubles to clear the bases. And at that point, the game was essentially over. We go out in the eighth inning. Logan Tanner grounds out. Uh, Rowdy strikes out. Jordan, Jordan Westberg flies out. And, uh, you know, it, it just felt like we just didn't have a lot of juice. And to their credit, they come back, add an, a run in the seventh. And then uh, we go one, two, three in the night. And uh, and that's the game. You know, and it's over. And, and again, you kind of leave with that better taste in your mouth because you're like, you know, yeah, we won two of three. But, man, we really let them off the hook. And, again, to, to Oregon State's credit, I thought they outplayed us in all facets of the game. We didn't play well defensively. Uh, we issued some free passes. We, di- we, didn't, we didn't pound the strike zone like we should have. And we didn't hit the baseball. They did all those things. They didn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, we had that one ball that kind of fell into no man's land out there with Foscue. Uh, but by and large, they played really good defense, and I thought Jerpy was outstanding yesterday. And I mentioned earlier in the show, when he pitched on Friday, we, we kind of got to him a little bit. But that guy's a real competitor. He is the guy that they're going to count on to, to pitch, you know, big innings for them. And he was much better yesterday and really shut us down. Again, that's the value of a guy that's a veteran, but also to the benefit of a scouting report. You, you get beat up on Friday, and you come back on Sunday, and you compete, and, and you shut us down. So uh, you know, tip of the cap to him. Uh, we're going to move forward and be excited about life. I'm really excited about this this baseball team, and you should be as well. Before we get into what happened around the league, let's talk about Hawthorne.co. New sponsors to the show, really, really happy with what the uh, they have been able to provide. Everything from the quiz to the packaging to the products themselves to the scents, they're outstanding. I'm telling you this not just because of the fact, because, listen, we could stop doing the advertising today. But we're not going to do that because I think this is this is something that you're going to enjoy. And, and I'm getting just about daily messages now from Boneyard listeners saying, you know what, Steve, you're right. This is the best cologne I've ever had. This is the best body wash I've ever had. I think you're going to be pleased with it. Go to Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. And take the quiz based on your preferences. And you will find some things about yourself that will help you. Pick the cologne. They kind of do it for you and pick the scents. I have the shampoo, conditioner, the body wash, the lotion, and the uh, the colognes, and they send it to you in a work and play set. They're complimentary scents. The work is maybe may maybe a little more uh, you know, in the vest, I guess you could say. It smells great. The play set, you're going out there looking to impress uh, a significant other. They can help you with that. Again, that's hotborn.co. And because I believe in this product, we have convinced them to give you guys a little bit of a discount by being a Boneyard listener. 
promo code Boneyard will save you 10%. And you can set up replenishing shipments or you can do a one-time purchase. I'm telling you, once you try this, especially the cologne, you're going to want to continue to use it. Again, it's Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, promo code Boneyard. So let's get into what the rest of the league and kind of look around here. Pretty good week for the league, to be honest with you. Uh, when you look around, you know, Florida, 8-0, and now ranked number one in the country by a couple of pollsters uh, out there. Baseball America, I know, has a number one. Florida takes uh, all three from Miami, and now 8-0. 8-0 on the, on the series, on the season. And that's one of the things that I said, you know, last year I felt Florida was a little bit inflated from a ranking standpoint. Uh, they've got many of those same players back, and they were one of the last teams in the tournament last year. They're better because of it this year. They're a good team. And I have read with great interest, some people say, well, you know, Kendall Rogers and those, those guys, they just love uh, Kevin O'Sullivan. That may or not might be true. But Florida is a really good team, and I have shared on our show before, Florida is really going to challenge Vanderbilt in the East. I expect Florida to win the East, unlike some others. Tennessee has not had the benefit of Garrett Crochet, and they're 7-0. 7-0. Great, 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 great start for the Volunteers. And, uh, you know, they lost Garrett Stallings. They lost, you know, a couple other pitchers from a year ago. And I think a lot of people expected them to take a real step step back. And uh, and they didn't take a step back. And uh, I think, again, that goes to show you the, the value in that staff. Interesting weekend for them. They take down Texas Tech. They take down Houston. And they beat Stanford. That's two top 15 teams that they beat. And these games were, you know, 6-2, Not enough, Nothing flukish about any of that. And so now you look at this thing, too, and you begin to think, okay, if State can do their part in the West, and you have a Tennessee team that's kind of surging on And listen, I get it. Tennessee was very good in non-conference last year, and they got an SEC play, and they were just kind of middle of the road. But we really just need teams like Tennessee and them to take a game from somebody every now and again. So now all of a sudden, when you begin to look at this thing, and you think, okay, Florida's undefeated, Tennessee's undefeated, Georgia's 7-1, and one, and with that pitching staff they have, with Emerson Hancock, they're, they're certainly capable of beating Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt now 6-2. and two. South Carolina 5-2. and two. They lose the series over the weekend. And again, the South Carolina team, I don't know what to expect from them, but I think the East is going to be much better uh, than they have been. And I think Vanderbilt has really benefited from that. Not not taking thing away from Vanderbilt. They're, well, we can talk about a scholarship thing another day. But Vanderbilt's going to have a lot more competition in the East this year. That's the bottom line. Northwestern goes into South Carolina and wins two out of three. I don't know that anybody saw that coming. Missouri four and two, Kentucky four and three. On the western side of things, Texas A&M eight and zero, Arkansas seven and zero, Alabama seven and zero, Ole Miss six and one, Mississippi State five and one, Auburn five and three. The Tigers swept at home by an unranked Central Florida team. LSU five and three. LSU lost two games last week. They lose to Nickel State in Eastern Kentucky. Their LSU, they'll figure it out. But uh, their ranking is a little bit overrated right now. I don't think there's a whole lot you can feel great about if you're uh, LSU right now. 
and maybe they kind of like hiding in the reeds a little bit. I don't know. But uh, we talked about Auburn. We talked about early in the year when I did the SEC West preview about Butch and them are going to have pitching. But it's essentially the same lineup as they had a year ago, except, you know, Julian and Holland moved on. And Central Florida exposes Auburn for who they are. They're a team that's got some pitching, but they're also a team that can't score. Auburn, six runs combined in the three games. They lose 3-1, to 7-3, and then 12-2, to two, routed on Sunday. They'll figure some things out. Auburn obviously tumbling, tumbling in the uh, rankings. They'll play Alabama A&M, and then guess who they have coming in next weekend? Our friends from Wright State. The Raiders headed in there to try the Tigers on for size. That is a series to watch, very much so. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting week. And again, it's always great to have college baseball to talk about, not just because of the fact that we're a baseball school, but college baseball is so intriguing. I think, you know, people say, well, you know, Steve, you've got the aluminum bats. I think the passion for the game in, in at the college level is really unsurpassed, really in every sport. But I think it's uh, I think when you really see it in college baseball, it's a lot more pronounced. And maybe it's because of the fact that we live in the South and we can play baseball year-round. But uh, excited about this year. And, uh, again, I would have loved to have gotten a sweep over Oregon State. You know, the state's uh, number eight in the D1 baseball poll and fourth in the Baseball America poll. Uh, I thought State might get as high as seven, but eight is about what I figured. You know, if we had gotten a sweep, you'd probably leapfrog somebody. But we're right where we need to be. Our season didn't end with JT Ginn setback. And that's not to say that he's not a huge part of this team because he absolutely is. But it's not like some teams we've had in the past that if we have a guy that is not participating, that our season is over. We've got some depth. They'll piece it together. And I thought Foxhall and Group did a good job this weekend. It kind of ran out. They ran that gas a little bit on Sunday. But there will be some other guys that will emerge and have an opportunity uh, to pitch. People forget back in 2016, Connor Pilkington was our Sunday guy. And he eventually becomes our Friday night guy. You know, over the course of a couple seasons. You know, but Pilk is a guy that, uh, you know, really kind of emerged down the stretch in 2016. So don't don't rule out and say, you know what, what if well, cause there's a good chance we move Christian McLeod to Friday and Sarantola to Saturday, and then somebody else throws on Sunday. You know, maybe you keep Sarantola on Sunday and throw somebody else on Saturday. But the bottom line is, is that uh, there's going to be an opportunity for somebody else to step up and uh, and help this team get to Omaha because that's still the expectation. You know, it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's almost like a cliche at some places. And you say, well, you know, the expectation never changes. And that's true for Mississippi State baseball. You know, we believe we have a chance to get to Omaha every year, whether that's realistic or unrealistic. That remains to be seen. But the bottom line is we, we recruit at such a high level. We support baseball at such a high level. We believe we can put a team out there just about every year and win an NCAA regional and then, de depending on the matchup, win a Super and get to Omaha. Any year that we don't get to Omaha is a disappointment. And you kind of know that when you sign on. When you when you agree to where the M over S, you understand these fans are going to turn out 10, 12, 15,000, and they're going to expect you to win ball games. They're going to expect you to get to Omaha. They're going to expect you to be an All-American. They're going to expect you to beat LSU. That's what we expect. Doesn't always work out that way, 
but that's the expectation. And so you don't come here just being happy to play college baseball. You come here understanding you're part of something bigger than yourself. You put that MORS on, you understand. There's a lot of expectations that go along with that. And listen, there are some kids out there that can't live up to it. And they end up transferring. You know, and they go places like Southern Miss or Southeastern Louisiana or UAB. And they can go there and do a good job. Because this isn't for everybody. And that's okay. And you got to go somewhere you can play and you can compete. And we wish those guys the best. But at Mississippi State, you know, this is not, this is not the Boy Scouts. While there, there is a fraternity of sorts that many of us will never understand because we're not part of it. But the bottom line is, is that when you play for Mississippi State, it's not enough just to go out there and win a couple ball games. There's a tremendous amount of pressure at all times to go win at a high level. And I think guys like Tanner Allen, Justin Foskey, Jordan Westberg, they get it. JT Ginn, he gets it. Christian McLeod, he's getting it too. You know, we've got a very, very talented baseball team. We've got a great coaching staff. They're going to find a way to make this thing work. Got a big week ahead of us. Got a new sponsor to the show, too, we're adding this week. I know, listen, here's the deal, too. There's so many people out there. You know, it's so difficult to get a doctor's appointment these days. I mean, it really is. And there are some things that simply can't wait. I have recently read a survey that says that it takes around 29 days to get an appointment with a doctor in major cities in the United States. Now, there are some people out there, you, know, you, you have live in a small hamlet, you can call your doctor up and go see you tomorrow. But for most people, there is an extended wait time. And if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you don't want to wait 29 days to get busy. You want treatment today. You want treatment as soon as possible. And that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a, a licensed doctor in your state, all from the comfort of your own home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule not their schedule. Just grab your phone or computer and complete a free online visit and you'll hear from a licensed U.S. physician within 24 hours. That's simple. And if the doctor decides that treatment's right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-up visits with your doctor anytime you have questions or you just want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments. You just cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, Go to GetRoman.com forward slash Boneyard. Again, that's GetRoman, G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com forward slash Boneyard for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. You can be happy you did, and so will your significant other. Again, don't wait to get treatment. Go ahead and visit the fine folks at GetRoman.com forward slash Boneyard. So let's move on to uh, men's basketball. Speaking of things looking to get over the hump, uh, Men's basketball, you know, every loss at this point is detrimental. Every loss at this point is detrimental. And my fear is that we're not done losing basketball games. And I know that sounds negative. I'm just trying to give you my honest opinion. Buzz Williams is an elite coach. Texas A&M has kind of found their groove a bit as of late. And at Mississippi State's expense on Saturday. It seemed to be one of those games that we just simply could not find a way to get over the hump and stay there. Very, very competitive at times. We just simply couldn't finish. Every time State made a run, A&M answered. It just really seemed like, you know, that we our NCAA hopes 
kind of went by the wayside in that game. We're not tied with A&M in the standings. We're 17-10 overall, 8-6 in the league. They're 8-6, 14-12. We talked about you can't lose one of these games to one of these teams hovering around 500. Well, we did. We absolutely did. Uh, Robert Water throws in 18 points, 36 minutes of action, pulls down three rebounds. You'd like to see that number be better for sure. Just the one turnover and just, uh, pardon me, that's Robert Woodard. Uh, Robert Woodard again, 18 points, three rebounds. And again, rebounding has been uh, kind of hit or miss with him. But he's playing a lot and emerging as one of our go-to guys. Seven of 14 from the floor, two of three from free, from three-point line, and two of two from the charity strike. Reggie Perry, 14 points, eight rebounds. Uh, five of five from the free throw line, knocks down a three, four of nine from the field. Nick Witherspoon, 11 points, five turnovers, five assists. That's got to get better. That, that's got to get better. And he's been hit or miss. And it, listen, he had a one stretch there where he was among the best point guards in the SEC. I think people have kind of learned to respect him a little bit. Uh, so, but we're having some trouble, for sure. Tyson Carter comes off the bench again with 19 points to lead the team, has one steal, pulls down one rebound, seven or 12 from the field, five of 10 from three. And I really thought late he was the, really one of the only ones that had any lift offensively. He gets a tremendous amount of criticism, and I'm not quite sure why that is because I really feel like in these last couple of weeks he has been State's uh, you know, go-to guy down the stretch, the only guy that's really found a way to make big shots to keep State in ball games, win or lose. Iverson Molinar gets 13 minutes. He's beginning to play a little bit more, but uh, you know, State, not a lot of depth on this team. We're basically playing seven. DJ Stewart, 32 minutes of action, just two points. He's another guy, too, that's uh, it's on everybody's scout now. Does hand out five assists. But he's a guy we're going to need to score. We're going to need to score. We didn't do a good job of getting to the free throw line either. And that's really been our game. You know, it's like when we can't, when we don't, maybe we don't have it offensively. We're going to take the ball to the rim. We're going to find a way to get to the line. Just 10 free throws. That's one of those things you look at and you kind of scratch your head about. How, how did that happen? And some people would say, well, you know, Steve, maybe it was bad fishing. I, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the games. We're covering baseball, so we're kind of peeking over our shoulder, kind of watching it in stretches. But, you know, A&M only shot 18 free throws. And so maybe you just had a crew out there that uh, wasn't going to blow the whistle a whole lot and going to let it play. I don't know. But the bottom line is, if you're Mississippi State, you got to get to the line more. you got to use your athleticism, pound the ball inside, and get to the line more. Uh, so what's next? You know, what? what's next for Mississippi State men's basketball? Well, if I had to call it today, I would say the National Invitational Tournament is next. And uh, I guess, again, I am uh, in the minority. I believe that is unacceptable. And uh, Bo Bounds and I are friends, and Bo says, you know, I think our talent's a little bit overstated. And maybe it is. But I think you've got th- you know, three guys that are probably pro players on this team, counting D.J. Stewart. And... Um, we're 17 and 10 and hovering around 500 in, in league play in a year where it's not a great year in the league. It's a pretty mediocre year. I mean, they're, they're saying four SEC teams in a tournament. Big 10 is going to get everybody. We're battling to get into position. We have four games left. And again, this feels negative when I say it, but here's the reality of it. We're not a good road team. We have won some big games on the road. We did win at Florida and did win at Arkansas, but we have laid some uh, laid some eggs on the road too. 
embarrassed in Tuscaloosa, embarrassed in Oxford, and guess what? We get a chance to play those teams in our backyard now. And then we also have road trips to Missouri and South Carolina. And I think when you begin to look at this stretch, you say you've got to win them all. Uh, Mississippi State currently listed as uh, still in the the, uh, the first four out. You know, not, not that Joe Lenardi is on the selection committee, but he's got a pretty good finger on the pulse. And right now he has stayed out of the tournament. Not the last team out, but the fourth team out. And that's assuming that we went out. And so we'll see what happens over the course of the, the, the Mississippi State's net. I think it's down to like 56, 57. We were hoping to get into the 40s. We'd risen to 49, and now we've taken a big drop again. Every time Mississippi State fans try to get engaged in this thing, this is what happens. And, and one of the things we have talked about, too, and, and on the women's side, you can say this, there's going to be some up and down with a young team. This is not a young Mississippi State team. It's not. I know that you know, when we say those things to make us feel better, this is not a young team. This is not, I mean, this is a team last year where, you know, Robert Woodard uh, and um, Richard Perry played huge minutes. You know, down the stretch, they were playing pretty much starters minutes down the stretch last year. And so, yes, this is their second year, and this is the first year with DJ Stewart, and he is a young guy. But you've got Abdul Adu, who's been around for, 20, for several ball games. Tyson Carter is a guy that's been around. Nick Wetherspoon has been around. And that was the thing, you know, when we were all discussing the Joe Moorhead situation, you know, it was easy to, to, to paint some defense of Joe at times and say, well, you know, he had to deal with some unprecedented things like this Tudorgate thing. You know, Mississippi State basketball had to deal with that too, but you know what? We still won most of those games. And so then Nick's come in and then Nick gets integrated. It took a few ball games, but then Nick was playing, again, as well as anybody in the league for a while. You know, his assist and turnover ratio was absolutely outstanding. When State made that big run, a lot of that was Nick Weatherspoon-centric. So it's not like you can just sit back and say, well, you know, you know that, that dog won't hunt. You just can't make that excuse. But you get four games left, and there's still the possibility of playing an NCAA tournament. I think we're in a situation now we probably got to win out and then win a game in the tournament. And, that, and maybe not being in the top four is good for Mississippi State because we probably need a win in Nashville or two. And so actually having the chance to finish, you know, fifth or sixth or seventh in the league might work in our in our favor because of the fact that we're going to need to play a couple of games. And maybe you, you play and you get to the semis and then you, because you never know who you're going to play along the way. Maybe you can pick up a, you know, quality win, get a quad one win somewhere. But we're not where we need to be. It is as simple as that. And maybe I'm wrong. But I, I just don't like the way things look right now. We're 17 and 10 and 8 and 6, 12 and 2 at home, 3 and 6 away. And nobody's, you know, in this league, nobody you can consider and say outside of Kentucky or, or even maybe Auburn is a great road team. But we're going to have to be a great road team down the stretch. Because let's say, for an example, we finish up this thing, you know, 19 and 12 and 10 and 8 in the league. I don't think that's enough to get you in. I don't. I really don't. And this is among the softest bubbles that I, in my career that I remember. Where it's like anybody that gets hot late might get in the tournament. It's because of the fact that it just seems to be such a mediocre field this year. I mean, I, there's your halves. You know, at the top, it's, you, you, you look at those teams and say, wow, this is incredible. And then you look at that next group, you know, all those at-large bids. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting on the back end for sure. Not exactly sure what we're going to do next. 
it's but it's disappointing. And uh, this is a team that I think many of us expected to finish in the top half of the league with with pretty with ease. And uh, we're not doing what we need to do. And I don't have the answers. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, and you know, try to wax poetic about all this and, and, and tell you that everything's going to be great or you know, that we'll find a way. Because at this point, I don't know there's enough evidence to support that line of thinking. All I know is right now, we got to go beat Alabama on Tuesday, and they may be playing their best basketball. And that's the thing that I think is the most frustrating about all this is that some of these teams that we're playing down the stretch, they have improved, and it doesn't appear that we, that we have at times. We're still kind of, you know, jack one high. But it does appear that some of the teams that we're going to be playing against for these final ball games have gotten better over the course of the season. Tuesday, 8 o'clock, Humphrey Coliseum. Next to last home game of the year for the regular season. We may have a home game for the NIT. I don't, I don't really know that anybody wants to, you know, to figure that out. But it is what it is. It absolutely is what it is. So uh, let, let me get into some women's basketball stuff here, too. We have got a uh, – so let, let me say this as nicely as I can because I don't want to hurt any feelings. If anybody on this campus has earned some grace, it is Vic Schaefer. And, uh, listen, I know people are emotionally invested in women's basketball now, and, uh, you know, people are mad and getting excited and, and we drop a game that we shouldn't. It's one of those things to lose to South Carolina on the road. It's one thing to lose to Kentucky on the road, even though we hope to win that game. We don't expect it. But to lose to Alabama in Humphrey Coliseum, that is something that's going to get your attention. An absolute awful, awful ending to that game. State gets off to a big 19-11 to 11 lead in the first quarter, and you think, okay, here we go. We tack on a little bit there at the second quarter and go 18-16, to 16, and you've got the halftime lead. You're feeling pretty good about life. Absolutely outplayed down the stretch, especially in that decisive fourth quarter. Alabama outscores State 21-13 with the biggest basket of all coming on a tip in in the final second. An awful, 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 awful loss. Alabama 16-11, 6-8 in the league. Mississippi State now 23-5, 11-3 in the SEC. This is one that... Uh, we essentially gave away. And give Alabama credit. They came in here. They didn't show us any respect. They won the game. They didn't get to watch a whole lot of us recovering baseball. They didn't get to watch the decisive plays down the stretch. And uh, we didn't play well. But that doesn't mean that we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Jessica Carter, 18 points, 12 rebounds, 38 minutes of action. She played well and played without fouling. Just two personal fouls. Had three blocks, a couple steals. Rakia Jackson goes for 15, and then at that point, it kind of goes away. The production from the Bulldog guards has not been there, simply has not been there. State is going to have to have better guard play, simple as that. You know, Rakia Jackson's a special player, but we are going to have to have somebody on the perimeter step up and make shots in order to make a run in this tournament. The sad part about all this is, is that again, as I mentioned, you know, like on the men's side, it appears that everybody else is getting better, and we're not. We have not played good basketball here the last uh, couple weeks on the women's side. You know, we went at Tennessee convincingly, and we looked like world beaters. Beat them 72-55. to 55, Absolutely destroyed Lady Vols. We come back home and just blister A&M in that fourth quarter. 
win that game going away by 12. But we didn't play well early in that ball game. A&M was kind of dictating the game to us, and then we kind of got going late. And maybe we've got a bit complacent in that respect, where we feel like, yeah, it'll be okay, we'll figure it out. Well, we didn't figure it out the next ball game. We go to Kentucky, and it seemed like Kentucky did whatever they wanted to do. Then we go to Auburn, and again, Auburn's a bad matchup for us, but you would think we would have learned from the last time. We go down there and have to play for our lives, and we turned it on and did what great teams do in a decisive quarter. You win the game. And then in the fourth quarter on Sunday, the luck runs out. And so we have lost two of the last three and very easily could have lost four in a row. Easily. But we didn't. We found a way to win. Two of those. But we're not playing our best basketball. We will get an Arkansas team coming in this weekend that is as good from the perimeter as anybody around. We do not defend the three-point shot exceptionally well. And we're going to see a ton of them on Thursday. That is senior day. Arkansas is coming in here. You know, they're, they're playing a little bit better. And they're expecting to do some big things. They're trying to find a way to make a late run. You know, they were a team last year, you remember, they got going late. And everybody thought, man, they're gonna be they'll be right in the thick of things next year. They haven't been. But with two games to play, Mississippi State now just one game ahead of Texas AM. We need to win these last two. We were in a, in a great position to go ahead and wrap up this the number two seed in the tournament. We will be no worse than the three seed unless we just absolutely tank it here. But you're a game ahead of our of AM and two games ahead of Arkansas and Kentucky. But there are a lot of people out there that I think are being a little bit overly critical, okay? And, and again, this is a women's basketball team. It's 23-5. and 23-5. and five. And when you look at that's the first really bad loss of the year. When you lose to Stanford, you lose to West Virginia, you lose to South Carolina, you lose to Kentucky. You know, this is when you look at it and say, can you kind of scratch your head? And, and again, there is some up and down with a young team. And it's just a young team. But we've got to find a way to get better guard play. And, you know, that's the thing, too, when I, when I began to think about, you know, this roster. You know, Chloe Bibby last year coming off an injury. I don't know what's happened to her long shot, but she's been very inconsistent despite the fact she is one of our better rebounders. And, and maybe that's part of the issue. Maybe we're asking her to do so much on the glass that we're not running many of those same sets we did for her last year. Uh, Andy Espinosa Hunter, we brought her in. We expected her to be an absolute assassin. And this time last year is when she got going. And you remember, she set a school record in the SEC tournament uh, for threes. I don't know what's going on with her, but it's like her confidence level has been shattered. So those are two of our expected to be most prolific shooters from the perimeter. And we're not getting the production out of them that we expected. Uh, Jordan Danbury, I think, has given us what she can give us. You know, Maya Taylor uh, has really improved, but uh, we didn't have a good game yesterday. You're going to have a bad day every now and again. I'd rather have it now than in the NCAA tournament. Now, I, I know any time we lose a game, we have some fans that are ready just to go ahead and disband the program no matter which one it is. But Charlie Crane, who is the, the definitive expert in women's basketball when it comes to bracketology, still has Mississippi State on the three line, still has state hosting, and actually has us now headed to the Fort Wayne, Indiana Regional, which would be a best-case scenario for us to avoid Oregon. We don't want to go to Portland again. 
So if a chalk holds and we end up a three seed, and right now Maryland is penciled in as the one seed in that Fort Wayne, Indiana regional, I think that is a good situation for Mississippi State. But it's got to keep winning. Vic is a great coach. And there have been times this year that I have seen him frustrated probably more so than at any point in his career. And I think a lot of it, too, is you get used to having veteran players like Victoria Vivians and Tierra McCowan, and you don't know what it's like to kind of have to rebuild again. But the fact that we're rebuilding and we're 23-5 and five and going to finish in the top three in the league, barring something unforeseen, and we're going to host the first two rounds of the NCAA Women's Tournament here again in a rebuilding year, um, I don't know how anybody can really complain about that. It makes perfect perfect sense to me. I, I'm, again, I think that is, uh, if, again, if anybody has earned grace at Mississippi State, it's Vic Schaefer, arguably the best coach on campus, regardless of sport. I think most people would agree with that. Reminder, if you hadn't done so, Go by and visit our friend, Stan the Man. And Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, all the fine folks there at Campus Bookmark. They will treat you like family because you are family in their mind. Very, very excited uh, for them to be a part of things. Very, very excited for them to have the latest and greatest in Maroon and White fashions. You can go by and see them and their smiling faces, or you can visit them. At, Kyle, at campusbookmark.net. I get so confused sometimes. Campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which will save you shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Again, that's campusbookmark.net, promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that, again, free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. You can get outfitted for baseball season. You can get outfitted for spring break. You can get outfitted for... Summer vacation, I think it's lovely when you go take trips and uh, you wear Mississippi State gear. You get that M over S on, people pass you in line at Disney World, and they say, Hell State. I think it's lovely. So make sure that you uh, rep the brand, let everybody know what's going on with you. Again, that's campusbookmark.net. Uh, so look at some football stuff, too. So we'll get on through here because I think there's some things perhaps people, are, you know, we, we get so wrapped up in the in the moment. Mississippi State spring football schedule has been announced. It will begin on Thursday, March the 18th. I guess it's less than four weeks away. March the 18th. And then there will be some scrimmages in Davis-Wade Stadium that are going to be open to both the media and the public. We're told that. No finalized dates yet, nothing to be announced. But uh, be mindful of that as you begin to kind of think about your weekend plans. There will be a chance to come watch some football here at Mississippi State. So Thursday, March 26th, is a spring practice, and it's also the coaching clinic. And I know we have a lot of coaches that listen to the show. If you're wondering, okay, hey, Steve, when can we get up there and learn more about the air raid offense? That's your day. And you go to hellstate.com and get more details for that. The annual spring game is uh, April the 11th. It's part of Super Bulldog Weekend. And there will be four practices after the spring game. And I'm told by some of our peers uh, up at Washington State that he uses some of that for cleanup, and then they actually go ahead and start working on some install for the season. That's generally what they do. They go ahead and start thinking, okay, here's what we're going to be working on to go ahead and give those guys a sense of what they need to kind of structure summer workouts around. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, 
here's some advanced knowledge on our first couple of, of opponents. And so we begin to kind of work on some of that stuff too. And so four practices after the spring game. I don't know that we, we've ever done that. I know Dan Mullen sometimes would say they practice or two to kind of clean up after the spring game. But, but we're going to have four. And I'm told that that is pretty pretty typical for Mike Leach, that he does save some of his spring practice sessions for after you know, the spring game. And other football news, the NFL football combine is coming up, and there are going to be plenty of opportunities to root for Mississippi State players uh, at that combine. You guys are well aware of the fact that the state's going to be very, very well represented uh, at the NFL Combine. Had a chance to speak with Daryl Williams here last week, and uh, man, what a great guy Daryl Williams is. Really, really happy about uh, Daryl Williams' opportunities that lie in front of him. But uh, again, seven Bulldogs will be at the Combine, and uh, it is incredible to begin to think about what that means for Mississippi State, what that means kind of going forward as you begin to uh, you know, to think about Mississippi State's football legacy, Mississippi State's branding as a football program. And uh, we talk at all the times about, hey, you know, you can make it all happen here, you know, at Mississippi State. That's exactly what, what's going to happen here. Stephen Guidry, Tyree Phillips, Darrell Williams, Cameron Dantzler, Willie Gay, Chauncey Rivers, and Brian Cole. That's going to be your group down there. Brian Cole, Darrell Williams actually working out together right now. And so when you begin to factor that in, you know, there's seven Bulldogs going to the combine. That is not a guarantee that all seven will be, will get drafted, but there is a really good chance uh, that those guys are going to be on a roster somewhere. And then, then you begin to think about the Quarries Landers, who's a guy that will test exceptionally well at Pro Day, probably be a uh, an undrafted free agent. But, uh, you know, State is going to have a lot of players joining NFL rosters later this year, and there will be a lot more to cheer for. That's Mississippi State folks. And so those are the kind of things that excite me. And then you begin to think about the steps that we expect to take with Mike Leach as our football coach. And I think you can feel really excited about our football future. You should be. I am. I, again, I, every time that I'm around these coaches, these new coaches, uh, you just get a sense there is this air of confidence that uh, they know what they're doing. They know the expectations. They understand the challenges of this league. And I think they have a healthy amount of respect for the SEC. I don't know that that was necessarily the case with some of these other coaches that came in under Jim Moorhead. I think they just thought, you know what, we've always done this, we'll do it here too. And I think Joe, in many respects, was kind of kind of humbled by the SEC. Uh, and again, think a lot of Jim Moorhead, he just didn't win enough. I think Mike Leach and that group have shown that uh, – they can win. They won at Texas Tech. They won at Washington State. I know some people don't want to admit it, but Washington State's arguably the worst job in the Power Five. Lowest budget in the Power Five, most remote outpost in the Pac-12, no natural recruiting footprint. You went to Washington State, it's because you really wanted to go to Washington State. You went to Washington State because you wanted to play for Mike Leach and his staff. And now they're here, much more desirable location with more amenities more facilities, more resources. Mike Leach is going to have more resources at his disposal at any point in his career. So we'll see how that translates to the field. But I, I am excited about the season. I am excited about the spring. I am excited about Mike Leach being here. I'm excited about what he brings. And the more that I am around him, and the more that I 
I hear people talk about him, uh, the more I'm convinced that it really was a good fit. I, I've read a lot of these people, you know, enemies of Mississippi State, and says, oh, it's going to be such an awkward fit. I, I don't think so at all. When you look at the programs that Mike Leach has chosen to be the head coach of, and he has had many other opportunities, including some of the people that are critical of him now, he wouldn't talk to them, and perhaps their feelings are hurt, and they've got some sour grapes over it. But the bottom line is, Mississippi State is exactly the kind of place that Mike Leach is interested in coaching because of the blue collar, because of the work ethic, because of the fact that kids here grow up wanting to go to Mississippi State. And so there is a legacy of hard work. There is a legacy of hard-nosed football that was attractive to Mike Leach. Our values are similar to his values. That's one of the things that I think is undervalued many times. People say, well, you know, you bring in this guy, he's a great X's and O's guy. But can he relate to the general populace? You know what I'm saying? Can he walk into Stone County High School and be able to shake hands with the coaches there and be able to relate and be able to talk to them about things just kind of beyond football and make those guys feel welcome? When he has that coach's clinic, and he has those guys come up here. Can he make those guys feel engaged? Can he make those guys feel like, you know what? Yes, I'm Mike Leach, but I'm just Mike Leach. I'm just a football coach. I mean, yeah, we've done some crazy things, and I've got some, you know, some, you know, some unique things about me. But I'm a football coach just like you. You know, Mike Leach is a blue jeans and tennis shoes guy, and I think that that, that will resonate well here in the state of Mississippi. We sell a lot of Levi's around here. We do. And everybody that I have met and I've had interactions with was many fans that have said, hey, Steve, we met Mike Leach, and it was wonderful. He was so great. And I guess some people look at him and they think, okay, well, this is some guy that's in a bubble, and, you know, he's just this eccentric. That isn't the case, you know. Mike is a lot like all of us. He just sees the world a little bit differently, and he expresses himself in a way that uh, is a little bit irreverent at times. But the bottom line is that you know, Mike Leach is a highly intelligent guy. Mike Leach understands what we expect him to do. It's like we just discussed baseball. The expectations for baseball are always exceptionally high. We're trying to raise the bar for football. I think Dan Mullen was a guy that struggled at times to handle the personal interaction aspect of it outside of the SEAL Junior Complex. I think Joe Moore had handled that really well, but I don't know that he handled the hard edge required to kind of manage the roster. Dan Mullen was exceptional at that. Dan Mullen held people accountable. I don't know that Joe did that. And so when you've got a guy like Mike Leach, who is a disciplinarian, he will absolutely hold people accountable. But also, too, I think he is a guy that, that can handle the personal interactions. I think he is a guy that will uh, will be able to kind of be the best of both worlds in that respect. I also think the recruiting piece is going to be much different. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're going to have top 10 type classes because those things mean a lot on signing day. But what matters most is what happens on reporting day and what happens on bowl game day. That's when it matters. There are a lot of people that you know win in recruiting that don't win on a football field because the recruiting is an aspect in the lifeblood of your program. But if the only headlines these players make are on signing day, then you haven't recruited well. 
you haven't recruited well. I was thinking earlier too. I was looking at some some memorabilia kind of laying around the house, and uh, and I've got some. I've got an, an unused sheet of tickets from the 2012 football season, and Ladarius Perkins is on there. And you remember, Dan Mullen signed Ladarius Perkins over Tracy Lampley. Chrome really wanted Lampley. Lampley won't had a great career for the miss. And I'm not saying Lampley wouldn't have done a great thing here. He probably would have. But that's a guy, again, that a lot of people said, you know, eh, that's maybe a reach for Mississippi State. Ladarius Perkins had a good career at Mississippi State. Tyler Russell is on that sheet. Tyler Russell's name is all over the Mississippi State record books, at least for now. You know, <laughs> and I say that with all due respect to Tyler. Because with Mike Leach's brand of offense, I mean, there are going to be a lot of records that are going to change. Cam Lawrence is on that sheet. Cameron Lawrence, a fan favorite here, a guy out of, uh, you know, Magnolia Heights. Him and his brother Addison both came here and had good careers. Cam had to, you know, spend some time in the NFL with Dallas Cowboys. I remember Coy Broomfield, though. And I remember thinking, you know, when we signed him, you know, a lot of people, I think Palm Bay High School, if I think that's correct, people were saying, well, you know, it's a bit of a reach. I think we beat Cincinnati for him. And now he's coach Coy Broomfield. But when I mentioned the name Coy Broomfield, there are a couple plays that come to mind right out of the gate. People remember that pick six against Ole Miss in 2009. They kind of capped the Egg Bowl. That was the whole Dan Mullen, hey, there is one program on the rise here in Mississippi, and it's right here in Mississippi State. And, and incredibly, Dan was absolutely correct. But one of the reasons that Mississippi State put together that decade of 10 consecutive bowl games is because we won in recruiting in the bottom half of our class. You know, there are a lot of people that may, may sign some headliners, and we've done that too. You know, we've signed the Jeff Simmons. You know, we've signed a Chris Jones. And you got to get those guys. When they're in your state, you've got to be able to protect them. You know, that's why the McKinley-Jackson thing is so disappointing this year. And I don't know that he is at their level, but he is a very talented player. But where Mississippi State has found value in football recruiting is in the bottom ten. They've gotten value of those 10 players, guys like Corey Rumfield, guys like Ladarius Perkins, guys like Cameron Lawrence. You know, you look at these guys and you say, well, you know, they, 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 they weren't highly recruited regionally, but they were highly recruited in the state of Mississippi. And so Mike Leach, I think in many respects, is going to be similar to Dan Mullen in that. Is that we're going to get great value in the bottom half of our class. And that's what allows you to take the next step. Step. Everybody gets a dozen or so good players, but your depth comes from that bottom ten players, and you got to get contributions from them. Those are the things that excite me, and the way that we're recruiting right now, and the way we're building relationships, and, and the feedback that we're getting from players around the state of Mississippi and around the region. I think it's very encouraging. So a longer show today. And uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, and we'll be talking about the, the ball games that were. Again, Tuesday's a busy day on campus. We'll have baseball at 4 o'clock, and when we're done at baseball, we'll walk over to Humphrey Coliseum and watch the Mississippi State men against the University of Alabama. So come be a part of that, a kind of a, a, um, a doubleheader of sorts, and then we'll have a good time together again on Thursday. So we'll be back on Wednesday, kind of recap the Tuesday that was and kind of look around the league and see what's going on. But, again, there's so much to look forward to here at Mississippi State, and hopefully you can come be a part of that. Bring your family out to Duke Noble Field, Humphrey Coliseum, as often as you can. 
big proponent of packing a car and making memories with the family. You can never do enough of that. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.